Welcome to Reconciling Grace, a program where church leaders discuss various topics from the Bible. During the discussions, there may or may not always be agreement from every panel member on every point, but there is full agreement on the fact that the way to God the Father is through the reconciling grace of Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining us for Reconciling Grace. This is Pete Vecchi, one of the associate pastors for West Carrollton Church of the Nazarene. And we have a topic today that is called Abortion, How Does God See It? And before I introduce our regular panel members, I want to say that we have a special guest panel member with us. You heard her voice right at the beginning of our program today because she is the one who voices the introduction to our program for Reconciling Grace, and that is Melody Morris. And Melody has been part of understanding the the pro-life movement uh, for many, many years. She's past executive director of the Christian Family Network. She is a past director of Operation for Citizens Community Values. She has been a co-founder of a crisis pregnancy center. I could go on and on, but Melody, it's just let's just say we're glad to have you with us today. Well, I'm glad to be here. And along with Melody today, we have our other panelists. We have Vicki Cundiff, who is one of the associate pastors for Uh, Countryside Church of the Nazarene in Lebanon, Ohio. Steve Wilson, who is a Christian author, who is a graduate of United Theological Seminary in Dayton. And the person who's going to be more or less leading our discussions today is Mick Wells. Mick is the president of Wells of Salvation Ministry. He's also the co-host of Cross Connection Radio. So I'm done talking now for a while. Mick, I'm going to let you pick it up from here. Well, thank you, Pete. And, um, it's, uh, it's quite a topic here that we have. Uh, abortion has many views. There's uh, many opinions out there. there are, uh, the emotions over this subject run the gamut. But I wanted to focus on uh, getting us to understand what it is and how God sees it. I think every Christian wants to know the heart of God, wants to know the, the character of God. And so ultimately... We need to know how God sees that which so divides us out here. And why are we bringing this up now? Well, as we record this, uh, there's been uh, the controversy over abortion has been kind of reignited by, as I understand it, a recent amendment to the Constitution of uh, New York State, which in effect uh, legalizes or at least decriminalizes abortion at any point in what I'll call the gestational period. Melody, would you say that's an accurate paraphrase? It's uh, really quite astounding what they did in New York. So everybody's been talking about what does Roe v. Wade allow, and what did New York really, really do? And so I expect we'll get into that. Sure. Well, um, this is one of the subjects where there's, there's no real middle ground. Um, it's, you've heard people ask, well, or comment like that's sort of being sort of pregnant. I mean, you either are or you aren't. Uh, abortion, uh, has no middle ground. I don't see any room for compromise in it, but I want you listeners to understand that because abortion has touched many lives in in many, many ways, most of which are are negative, I would say. It is not our purpose here 
uh, to demean people or degrade people for having uh, been through that experience. I think you will find that every panel member uh, speaking with you in this program is of the pro-life stance. Um, as I looked at how churches and people surveyed believe concerning abortion, I can't tell you that the Christian community speaks with one voice on that. So I wanted to clarify that from uh, the standpoint of the panel members, we are all um, pro-life. But I want you to understand a couple things, that God is love. He described himself as love. He loves you. Uh, abortion is not something that uh, he sanctions. But he is not a condemning God. I want to share with you a scripture out of John chapter 3, verse 17. I love this one that's often omitted when people recite the, the verse that comes before it. But it says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Those who have been hurt uh, and have been in anguish over abortion and abortion decisions or what uh, friends and family have gone through. I want you to recognize that uh, our program by its nature, Reconciling Grace, wants to present to you that God is a reconciling God. He's a God of love. Uh, his word says that love is patient, love is kind, it doesn't dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Meditate on that. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love rejoices with the truth. It always protects, trusts, always hopes, always persevere, and love never fails. So we want you to understand as we discuss this controversial topic that there is reconciling grace from Jesus Christ, uh, from a God who describes his, his own character as a God of love. Well, for me, I want what God wants, not just on this subject, but on anything uh, in my life. I want to see how God sees it, and I want to honor him. The very premise for my position on this, and I believe it's the same uh, for our other panel members here, is that God, as the giver of life, gives that life, human life, at the moment of conception. And I want to share a couple verses with you here to establish this before we get into other uh, discussion on this subject. And I've asked uh, Vicki Cundiff, would you uh, share with us Matthew chapter 1, verse 18? Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Okay, I've underscored in my own notes here, she was found to be not with fetus. She was found to be with child. Guess what? That child was our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, mm -hmm. who uh, came into this world as a human being uh, through the birth process. And if you listeners out there, if you've if you know the story of, of Jesus and uh, Mary finding herself um, with child by the Holy Spirit, you recognize that there were a lot of circumstances right then and there, which in today's world would have caused a lot of pressure on Mary 
to go get an abortion. Mm-hmm. You know, in fact, you can even say that because of the mores of the of the time there, that her life was in jeopardy. Because if she would have been found to be pregnant by someone who was not her husband, she could have been legally executed. Uh, under what, Jewish law? Right. Yeah. Um, so here, uh, not only is, is the Word of God under inspiration of the Holy Spirit telling us that Mary was found to be with child, we're talking about a human being, and that human being was Jesus, the God who was made flesh and, and, and dwelt among us. And um, there's one similar verse that uh, I'll ask uh, Steve to share with us, Luke chapter 1, verse 41. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, thanks, Steve. Now, Elizabeth was... Was that, was, was that Mary's sister? Cousin. 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 Elizabeth. But that baby that it speaks of, and note that it says the baby, not the fetus, not the lump of tissue. The baby leaped in her womb. And the implication there is it's in response to the greeting of uh, the mother of Jesus, Mary. And uh, that baby was John the Baptist when when he was born. So here we have two scriptures that speak to the unborn child, a human being. The baby leaped in her womb, and Mary found to be with child. And you know, you can find various translations out there. So I went back to the Greek, uh, not that I'm a Greek scholar or anything, but the Greek interlinear Bible uh, reaffirms this. The words used in these verses in the Greek speak of a child in the womb, a baby in the womb. So I wanted to clarify for you up front that when we talk about a, um, a woman who's ready to give birth, we're saying she's carrying a human being, an unborn human being in our premises that human life begins at conception. Now, People on both Nick, sides of the coin here uh, will either take that position or not, and I think all arguments flow from that. Well, that's uh, interesting. You keep saying human life begins at conception, and uh, I don't agree with everything that R.C. Sproul said, but one thing he said, he said, well, let's think about this. Is it human? Yeah, it's human. Is it alive? Yes, it's alive. It's a human life. That's very well said and very succinctly and if you try to uh, come up with a uh, a secular argument that said it say that it's not really a life until some stage you create all kinds of gray areas and the the point here is that uh, i want to see it as god sees it god says that unborn life is a child and don't you think though that sometimes and i'm not disagreeing at all but what i see happening is that our human condition, all of us, I'm not talking about just people who have had abortions, people who have, or maybe who see things differently than we do, but every single one of us has this part of us that is not perfect. We want to justify, we want to rationalize certain things. Mm -hmm. And what has happened, I believe, is that in the name of being able to justify, in the name of being able to rationalize, 
this world in many situations, including abortion, but including many, many other things, has come up with terms or the vernacular, if you want to call it, such as fetus, such as embryo, whatever it might be, because they want to move away from the fact that this is a life. They want to make it more dehumanizing so it doesn't maybe seem quite as wrong if you treat it wrong. They kind of uh, get into semantics and uh, do some word twisting. This is even more or less Madison Avenue tested. You really can't sell abortion to the general population by describing what it is. So they use the word choice. Who wants their choice, quote unquote, stripped away from them? That people should have choice, and they, they zero in on the woman specifically, the woman's choice. Literally, in the abortion businesses, when they, go, when they take the woman in there, they say they're just going to remove POC. They even give it an acronym for product of conception oh, wow. because they refuse to say baby. And when you say fetus, fetus is a Latin word meaning little one, essentially. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a precious statement, little one, because that's what our babies are, innocent and they are alive. Well, we've barely scratched the surface here, and we're already at the time where we have to take our almost midway break for our sponsors, so we'll be right back after this break. Welcome back to our program, Reconciling Grace, where we're speaking on the subject of abortion. How does God see it? And right before the break, Melody shared with us that uh, the public at large seems to focus on rights of uh, the mother in these situations. I'd like now to talk a little bit about uh, the premise that the unborn child is a human life and therefore has rights. And these are accorded to uh, human beings under our U.S. Declaration of Independence here in America, where the words say, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, they're endowed by their creator, capital C, with certain unalienable, meaning unchangeable, rights, that among them are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Now that applies to human beings, okay? So if we, if we accept in this society the notion that an unborn child is not a human being, then they, logically speaking, would not have uh, the rights granted by uh, this country. And um, Melody, I think that's uh, kind of illuminated by the uh, legislation, recent legislation in New York, isn't it? Well, it was called the Reproductive Health Act, and uh, Anthony Cuomo uh, signed that into law to make a point on the anniversary of Roe versus Wade uh, this year, January 22nd. And what it did was it made permissible abortion all the way up to the due date of the baby. Mm way, way, way past the point of what is considered to be viability. And to underscore what you're talking about here, taking away the humanness of this life, 
A specific situation occurred in February. On February 3rd, 48-year-old Anthony Hobson stabbed his pregnant girlfriend, 35-year-old Jennifer Ergoyen, if I pronounced that correctly. The stabbing killed her. She was pregnant. It killed her unborn child. Now, the prosecutors charged Hobson with homicide and second-degree abortion under New York's criminal law, but because the governor had just a few days before signed this Reproductive Health Act, they had to drop the abortion charge in the death of the baby because the new law allows abortions to be done right up until the day of delivery, and it removed abortion from New York State's criminal code. That is complete dehumanization of the baby right up until the point where the baby is born. And I, too, found uh, language that said that the, the law, the New York law that that superseded was from 1970. It defined homicide as conduct which causes the death of a person or an unborn child. Now, that child, that's in the New York statute that was superseded. Uh, with which a female has been pregnant for more than 24 weeks is technically what it said. But their prior statute called that uh, unborn child just that, an unborn child. And now it's legal to take the life of what they previously termed an unborn child. And they literally celebrated that by lighting up historic structures in New York City and bathing it in pink lights as though this was progress, and a victory. Yes. Um, when we want to see this, how God sees it, I, I can just picture, you know, this is just me talking, but I, I almost picture a tear running down the face of God to, to witness uh, from heaven this going on in our world. Well, you, you mentioned the, the term viability. So now we can talk about, well, what rights does a woman have? But now we're talking about this is a person that could live on its own. Mm-hmm. This isn't completely dependent on the mother anymore. And yet the woman still has the right to, to kill this thing, that, this human person that could live outside of the womb and have a uh, totally productive life. And if I could look at this real quickly here, um, this isn't just something that um, the state of New York made up. Uh, there are other states, for instance, right here in Ohio, where the legislature actually passed a bill recently, right near the uh, end of December, I believe, which is called the heartbeat bill, which um, was saying that once you can detect a heartbeat, that that unborn child is actually a person. Now, this doesn't just go for um, because some people who are politicos and things like that want to say something. This actually goes all the way back to the book of Exodus. And if I may, I'd like to maybe go back to some scripture here. Exodus chapter 21, um, starting in verse 22, I'm going to be reading out of the NIV. It says, if people are fighting and hit a pregnant woman and she gives birth prematurely, but there is no serious injury, the offender must be fined whatever the woman's husband demands and the court allows. But, and here's the important part, If there is serious injury, you are to take life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, bruise for bruise. And right there, that is implied that if this child dies, 
that the person who hit the woman or caused the child to die could pay with his or her own life. Yes, I was familiar uh, with that too, Pete. Thanks for sharing that. It clearly shows that even in the Old Testament, uh, the unborn children were considered just that, mm -hmm. human beings, and their law was uh, structured accordingly. Well, you know, as I looked at the concept of abortion, I always learn something when I prepare for these types of programs. And what I learned this time is that abortion isn't really a, a recent phenomenon in the course of human history. Um, abortion being intentional or willful termination of pregnancy carrying a, a human being that's been practiced since ancient times, even since before Christ, which uh, gives additional meaning to our discussion earlier about uh, the pressures that might have been on Mary today. Well, abortion was around and practiced back uh, in its uh, primitive sense back in his time, in, in Christ's time as a, as a baby coming into this world. But it's been around since ancient times and by a variety of means. In fact, abortion was addressed in several uh, writings of early church uh, fathers, St. Augustine, St. Jerome, Tertullian, St. Clement of Alexandria, St. Basil, and the list goes on and on. And it's also mentioned in the records of some early uh, church councils, so it's been around a while. Um, but it's certainly on a front burner uh, today in our society. Um, and as you might suspect, in our society today, there's a wide variety of reasons that uh, justify or give uh, permission, if you will, to an abortion provider to actually perform it and terminate the life. Um, it's, and the, the aborted babies themselves are used for uh, a number of things, and, and it goes uh, really far and wide. Uh, it's used for the selection of, a, of sexes. It's used for harvesting stem cells, uh, selective reduction. What's that, Melody? Do you know? Well, when fertility drugs are used many times, you will end up with multiple babies in the womb, and then they go in and they select which one or ones they believe have the best chance of, quote-unquote, making it uh, nine months or close to nine months, and then they abort the ones that they just decide they're not going to carry. So that's selective uh, reduction, knowing that they are, have multiple births there or multiple babies there and that they are going to intentionally take, take the life of some of them. Now, these, these are babies, you know, mm -hmm. like if, if you're twins or triplets or quadruplets and for some reason you decide that um, in order to allow one or two of them to become stronger and healthier, we're going to get rid of what we consider to be the weak, weaker ones. Well, uh, so it's also used for harvesting and marketing of body parts. It's actually, I think, it, you don't have to look far to realize that abortion has, in, in financial terms, has become a fairly lucrative business for a certain segment of society. I did a little bit of research. Um, the U.S. House Select Investigative Panel, you might remember, did some um, 
they were investigating Planned Parenthood for the illegal selling of baby body parts and that babies were being harvested. And of course, this flies in the face of it not being human or a life because what is the value if it's not alive? And this is a report from the U.S. House Select Investigative Panel. Uh, payments from research uh, or customers to procurement business. Fetal brains, $3,340. How about uh, upper and lower limbs with hands and feet attached, $890. The baby's skull matched to upper and lower limbs, $595. This is a big business, and it's very, very lucrative. I also have, uh, was able to acquire an order for fetal baby body parts. And this is not for anyone with a weak stomach, but here they're asking for a liver from an 18 to 22-week-old baby. We're talking about viability here. So this is an order form that somebody was saying, this is what we want? Yes, this is what they were asking for, a liver from an 18 to 22-week-old baby, FedEx priority overnight, um, and they give a purchase order number and everything, the liver and a thymus and a skin from the same donor of a 16 to 20 week old baby. Procure this one on Wednesday only, the pancreas from a 14 week old baby. And uh, the brain of a 16 to 18 week complete, but can be pieced if necessary. Procurement on Thursday only, fetal kidney intact with the renal vein and artery, ureter and a descending aorta. Procure on Thursday only, the brain from a 17 plus week old, or gestation of a baby. This is very, very real stuff. People are trafficking and they're making a business out of very, very precious human life. And I think it's swept under the carpet. Well, it sounds like there's a behind the scenes uh, market uh, in response to something that is absolutely terrible. In fact, uh, some abortions uh, that have been uh, filmed or portrayed, uh, I have heard of some media outlets refusing to even allow the airing of it because it's so uh, terrible. It's it's like a butchering process. Um, I want you uh, listeners out there to understand, if you've been directly involved in this, I think this is a good time to say this, and we'll say it again in our next program. If you recognize in seeking the heart of God that God frowns on, <laughs> he disapproves, he's hurt by the taking of an innocent uh, human life in this manner, recognize if, if you come to realize the heart of God and see what's at stake here. I want you to understand that Jesus provides healing. Psalm 18 and verse 6 says, In my distress I called to the Lord. And, I, and by the way, I've heard of so many people who have dealt with emotional trauma over this once they realize what's really happened. They may have been coached or pushed into having an abortion and then realize later what they've what they've really done in terms of snuffing out a son or daughter um, and extinguishing a human life the bible says in my distress i called to the lord i cried to my god for help from his temple he heard my voice my cry came before him into his ears 
And Psalm chapter 34 and verse 18 says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. And my friends, uh, God is not there to condemn us, but to help us and to forgive us. We need to call out to him. And I know that uh, we have not really even scratched the surface in many ways of this particular subject. And again, I want to stress the fact that we're not just talking about abortion, but we want to talk about how does God see it. And so I think we're going to be going on to a second episode on this topic because we just haven't come anywhere near closing things off. So Mick Wells, thank you for your leadership. Melody Morris, thanks for being here. Vicki Cundiff, Steve Wilson, and this is Pete Vecchi thanking you for joining us for today's episode of Reconciling Grace. This has been Reconciling Grace. Join us again next time as our panel discusses biblical truths centered around the reconciling grace of Jesus Christ.